Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. We'll begin today with a reading from Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you may want to be turning there. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got in a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the water's Edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. How do you evaluate the effectiveness of a communicator? One way is to do an exit interview with listeners and ask two questions. The first question is, what was that message about? Another way to ask that question is, what was the main point or the big idea of that message? And then the second question to ask is, How is that message going to change the way you think, feel, or act? In other words, what difference is that message going to make in your life? I used to ask those two questions after almost every sermon. But the responses I received were so depressing (laughs) 
that I chose to talk about other things with my sons over Sunday lunch when they were growing up. But wouldn't it have been fascinating to do exit interviews with the crowds who heard Jesus teach? We often describe Jesus as a great teacher. He was a master communicator. But Jesus was often misunderstood. Sometimes he was not understood at all. Very few immediately got the main point or the big idea of his message. And those who did understand were usually so offended they wanted to kill him. Even his disciples, his inner circle, usually didn't grasp the meaning of his teachings on first hearing. Take a closer look at Jesus' teaching method and style, and you'll see that clarity was not always his goal, at least not initially. Later on in Mark chapter four, Mark tells us that Jesus' primary teaching technique was to embed his message about the good news of the kingdom of God in parables, like the one about the sower that we just read. And very few people understood the meaning of these stories, at least initially. And this seems to be part of Jesus' strategy. Seems to be his intention In chapter four, he explains when his disciples come to him asking about why he tells parables. He says in verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, his disciples, the insiders. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And then he quotes Isaiah six, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, never hearing, ever hearing but never understanding, Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Because he didn't want everyone to understand what he was saying. Sometimes clarity is overrated. Sometimes clarity is dangerous. And Jesus intentionally uses parables to obscure his message from some, the outsiders with hard hearts, while revealing it to others, the insiders with soft, open hearts. In Jesus' day, rabbis would often tell a story with a hidden meaning that could only be grasped upon a deeper conversation with the rabbi. And this seems to be in line with what Jesus is doing in his parables. He's sorting out those who are really listening, those who are really seeking, those who are really interested in learning the secrets of the kingdom of God. 
Because some hear a parable and say, well, that was interesting. What's for lunch? Others don't even bother to look up from their phones. But still others hear the same parable and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. And it's driving me crazy. Let's go talk to the teacher and see if we can find out more. Which is exactly what we see happening in Mark 4 when Jesus' disciples go to him in private and beg him to explain his parables. Every parable Jesus tells is an invitation to a deeper conversation with Jesus. But if you're too arrogant to admit that you don't understand or too insecure to come and ask a question or too proud to ask for help, too busy for a deeper conversation with the teacher, then you do not have the ears to hear and the heart to embrace the message of the kingdom of God. Because it's the humble, the curious, the searchers, the tenacious, who keep asking questions, who have the ears to hear and the open hearts to finally grasp the meaning of Jesus's message. Jesus was a master teacher, but not because he always taught for clarity. Not because 100% of the listeners who were interviewed as they left the stadium could give the right answer to what he just taught. In fact, there were far more efficient ways for Jesus to convey his content He overlooked so much learning theory. He could have said lesson one. Here are the 10 principles of the kingdom of God. Write these down. There will be a test afterward. Lesson two, here are the four spiritual laws. Lesson three, here are the five steps to salvation. And then he could quiz his disciples And once they successfully regurgitated all of that information back to him, he could give them a certificate of completion and send them on their way. You know everything you need to know about the kingdom of God. You know everything you need to know about the gospel. You know everything you need to know about being saved. But Jesus didn't teach to transfer information. He taught to invite his listeners, especially his disciples, into a transforming relationship with himself. And he did this by leaving a bit of mystery in his teachings. Because it's those who are obsessed with solving the mystery. Those who absolutely must fill in the gaps. Those who must better understand the embedded message. They're the ones who go deeper and grow faster than those who think they already understand everything worth knowing. The secrets of the kingdom of God do not belong to those who think they already know it all. But they are revealed 
to those who keep seeking out the teacher who will knock on his door in the middle of the night to ask questions until they finally begin to understand. It's those who keep seeking, who keep asking, who keep listening. It's those who keep learning and growing who show themselves to be good, fertile, productive soil. Jesus did not tell parables to transmit or transfer information. He told parables to bring about transformation. Go back to those two questions I began with. What's the point of the message and how is that point going to change your life? Parables prompt two similar questions. First question after parables, what was that story about? What was the storyteller getting at in that story? And then the second question, and what difference is that story, as I better understand it, going to make in my life? When Jesus finally does explain the parable of the sower to his disciples, it turns out to be about the different responses to the gospel. Each of the four soil types are four different ways people respond to the gospel. Four different ways people are responding to Jesus in the gospel of Mark. And once we get that clue, once we begin to understand that, it prompts a deeper, more important question. Not just do I understand the parable, but ooh, wait a second. Hmm. What kind of soil am I? How am I responding to the teachings of Jesus? Am I hard soil? Does the message ever really penetrate my heart? Or does it bounce off Sunday after Sunday? Am I shallow soil? Oh, it looks like my plant is growing and flourishing, but the truth is at the first sign of distress, I wither up and die. Or am I thorny soil? Am I so busy? Am I so pressed with other concerns that the weeds in my life are choking out the fruit the seed wants to produce in me? Or am I good, fertile, productive soil? What kind of and how much fruit is the gospel producing in my life? Now, these are the kind of questions that are not easy to answer, nor are they intended to be. The goal is not to be able to answer these questions and set them aside before lunch. The goal is to keep digging to keep listening, to keep seeking, to keep asking, to keep wrestling for answers, and most importantly, to keep following the one who has the answers until the seed of the kingdom produces its fruit in us. My job as a preacher, at least as I understand it, 
is not to always give you quick, easy, simple, ironclad, button-down answers. My job is to tell stories and to pose questions that draw you deeper into the scriptures so you can wrestle with God's word and God's will for your life, which is to say I'm imperfectly and inadequately attempting to imitate Jesus' style of teaching. And in the spirit of Jesus' teaching style, I'm going to close today by sharing with you one of my favorite parables of all time. And embedded in this parable, I promise, is a message about the gospel for those who have ears to hear. Hear then the parable of the unbreakable teapot. Once upon a time, during the First World War, there was a young soldier named Joe. And one day, Joe was walking across the French countryside, and he came upon an abandoned, bombed-out farmhouse. And tucked away in the corner of this house, Joe found an old porcelain teapot. And certain no one was going to return to claim it, he kept it for his own as a souvenir. And by the time Joe returned home, that teapot had become a legend. Through bone-jarring shelling, spine-tingling sniper fire, countless trench maneuvers, endless cross-country marches, Joe carried that teapot in his soldier's pack and through it all, it remained unbroken. Even the spout, that most delicate of teapot appendages, emerged from the war intact. And somewhere along the way and forever after, it became known as the unbreakable teapot. And back home, after the war, it was given a prominent place in Joe's kitchen. When his kids came along, he enthralled them with stories of the teapot's exploits. These were stories they passed on to their children. And up until the time Joe passed the teapot on to his oldest son, Tom, it was in daily use, earning its keep. Joe told his family, this is to be a working teapot, and as long as I drink tea, it will be. But Roger, Tom's son, Joe's grandson, grew up with a teapot on the shelf. Year by year, its legend grew, even as its usefulness diminished. And new stories were added along the way. Well, it's been dropped on the concrete floor three times, someone would say, never a scratch to show for it. It saved my granddad's life, Roger would add. It stopped a bullet heading straight for his heart. Except for the occasional dusting, though, the unbreakable teapot never came off the shelf. And then one day it happened. Roger's son, 
Joe, named after his great-grandfather. Joe, Tom, Roger, young Joe. Young Joe was 10 years old. And just like his siblings and cousins, he had grown up hearing stories about the unbreakable teapot. Rarely had he been in Grandfather Tom's presence without hearing and being entertained by its exploits. With reverence and awe, Grandfather Tom would tell his grandchildren about old Joe and the teapot and how nothing, not war, not hot water, not a drop on the floor could break it. And young Joe, who had never touched the precious teapot for himself, would listen wide-eyed. His mother had told him at least a million times that the teapot perched high on the kitchen shelf was off limits, that he was never, not ever, to touch it. But sometimes, when he was alone in the kitchen, young Joe would look up at the teapot high on the shelf. And he would examine the hard floor of the pantry. And he wondered about the stories he had been told. As much as he loved his grandfather, Tom, and loved hearing stories about the teapot, as much as he trusted his parents and wanted to believe them, as much as he wanted to believe the stories about the teapot were true, he wondered if in reality they were not. On Grandfather Tom's 75th birthday, all the relatives came out of the woodwork to celebrate at young Joe's house. And Grandfather Tom spent most of the afternoon with his grandkids sitting at his feet, telling them once again stories of the unbreakable teapot. And as he listened, young Joe was shocked by the irreverence of his thoughts. If it's unbreakable, why can't I touch it? He thought to himself. If the stories are true, then why keep it on a shelf? At the end of the day, as all the relatives were gathered outside saying their goodbyes, Aunt Peggy, Roger's sister, shouted, What in the world? And immediately her arm pointed and Everyone followed its line and the gathered generations gasped and held their breath. For at the top of the house, where the dormer window opened up along the edge of the roof, there was young Joe leaning out. He had one foot on the ledge of the window one hand holding on to the window frame. The rest of him was swinging out over the driveway. And in his free hand, he held the unbreakable teapot. And immediately, everyone knew what he was about to do. And they shouted in unison, no, Joe, don't. But it was too late. They saw the teapot 
slip from his hand and begin its graceful descent to the ground below. Time slowed to a standstill. No! Every face was contorted in disbelief. Except the face of Grandfather Tom. He looked at young Joe and saw the concentration on his face. And he saw the teapot falling like a stone to the hard concrete below. And he remembered old Joe, his father. And this made the old man smile. Let those who have ears to hear, hear the message of this parable. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus. Because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.